Hello, this is Tom Williams, and you are listening to Talk Theater in Chicago's Interview Podcast. My special guest this week is Jim Cordy, who is the new artistic director for Paramount Theater in Aurora. Hello, Jim. Hey, Tom. Good morning. Good morning. Well, good afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> and I'll tell you, uh, I, I got to give a congratulations to your production of My Fair Lady at that opened up your, your season uh, at Paramount Theater in Aurora. It was one of the finest productions. Everybody said that. I mean, from every detail. You really set the standard kind of high. Thank you. Thank you. You know, we, we, we put a lot of work into planning it and to casting it and designing it. And when we put it all together, it really surpassed my expectations. It just was a glorious beginning to this, this uh, first season at Paramount. Well, for people who haven't gone there, and I must confess, that was my first time, your opening night there, really? uh, for Paramount. Because, well, they had run a lot of, you know, one night, two night uh, uh, concerts and things. And, I, you know, and I cover theater almost every night. So it was kind of hard to get out there for a one night show. Exactly. But I'll tell you, we really need a major equity theater company in the western suburbs. And first, tell us about Paramount Theater, what people have never been there. It's so impressive. Yeah, uh, let's see. It was built in 1931 uh, over the ruins of a, of a theater that had burned down. And Paramount and Hollywood built a movie palace in the great tradition of the uh, early 30s. Um, and, and actually, during the Depression, uh, I, I don't know how they, they, they managed this in those days. The craftsmanship, the artistry, uh, the detail in the work. It's referred to as Venetian Art Deco. It's uh, a real movie palace of that era, and um, and it it also was built to uh, to pick up on the the last days of vaudeville. So it, they they built these movie palaces to accommodate vaudeville shows as well, and so that's how we got the fly system and the dressing rooms, and and that is all part of the original building, um, and uh, it it just. Uh, turned out to turn into a touring house, uh, a concert venue, um, and there were uh, A-list touring companies of Broadway show tours, uh, dance concerts, stand-up comics, um, uh, all kinds of acts, and uh, and they would, they would get booked in for, you know, a weekend at most, but pretty much one-nighters, actually. Yeah. And uh, this is the first time in the theater's 80-year history that it has its own in-house productions, its own theater season, and each show runs for three weeks, which is unheard of at the Paramount. It's never been done before in its history. Wow. And uh, how did you get involved in this? Um, well, it there was a, a transition here, and uh, Tim Rader uh, was brought on as the new uh, executive director, and... Uh, Working with the board, they decided they were going to do their own Broadway series uh, and forego bringing in uh, Broadway show tours. Uh, there were union and non-union tours that were coming through, and for, for different reasons, they were losing money on them. So they decided, why don't we just produce our own? <clears throat> and they began to look for an artistic director. Uh, I'd had a certain measure of success with shows in Chicago, and uh, I guess my name was thrown in. And, you're being uh, modest. You've had you've had some terrific success. Oh, thank you, Tom. Uh, and well, whatever uh, they uh, 
my name came up and they approached me and uh it it turned out to be something I, I, I wasn't aware how much I really wanted to do it. Uh how uh having ne- an artistic home. What is it you never saw yourself as an artistic director? Yeah, I don't think so. I think I was really enjoying uh being a freelance artist, being as a director, as an actor. Uh, you know, I was doing regional theater work as an actor, uh, going from everywhere from arena stage to long wharf, uh, and, uh, and enjoying, uh, you know, directing and choreographing very much, uh, as a freelance artist. Um, the idea of, of having, uh, an artistic home and the responsibility of a full season, uh, something I don't think I really thought seriously about, you know. And, uh, and once this happened, uh, I'll tell you what really cinched it for me though, was realizing the purpose that this theater would have in this community and to revitalizing, reinvigorating downtown Aurora. When I realized this theater had a real purpose to the economics and culture of this town, uh, I thought, what a privilege to just be a part of this. And, uh, and that's what really got me to sign on when I, I felt the sense of mission about it and almost civic duty about it. Well, you know, uh, I remember Aurora years ago and it was kind of a boom town. Then it, the downtown died for many years and the, yeah. and lately the only thing really going there was the casino, which is just a couple blocks from you guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's right there. Yeah. It's right next and, door. And now with, with, uh, with your theater, it's, it's, it looks like it's really, uh, on the upswing, I mean, it was just there was an energy to walking around uh, the downtown that I thought was terrific. Yeah, there's there's this real sense of optimism and enthusiasm and pride in that something uh, successful is happening downtown. Uh, I've I've uh, taken interviews with local newspapers and they say we're not used to this in Aurora. We're not think, used to things working, things being successful, being proud of something. Uh, and, uh, God, that just means nothing could prepare me for that kind of response from the community. Uh, it, it, it just makes this all the more important. Well, that, that and that great, the great venue that you described. And folks, you can go to, uh, paramountaurora.com and see pictures of the theater. It's, it's really an impressive theater. And to me, uh, we need an alternative from from the downtown shows, taking nothing away from the you know the tours that come from downtown. But you know, people in the far western suburbs—that's a pretty long ride. Yeah, and I'll tell you that the, the thing about having another venue uh, and, and building a new audience is, uh, you know, talking with uh, Terry James at Marriott and, and Kyle DeSantis at Jury Lane. Uh, you know, this idea of competition. Of course, that's all a friendly competition. It's all good-natured. But they both have said to me, it's so important that the Paramount is successful because it's what's going to keep not only building more audience for all of us, but it's going to keep the actors in town. You know, actors get to a certain level and they leave Chicago. There's not enough work. Uh, And uh, having another production company... Uh, is what's going to keep the actors here in Chicago and keep them all working. Going yeah, and that's what I, that's what I've heard from a lot of the actors. I mean, uh, yeah, so, so it's a win-win for everybody, for the town, for all the actors, for the theater audience. I, I, I think it's, it, it'll help so much to, to bringing younger people, uh, 
who live out that way that maybe haven't gone downtown to see a Broadway musical or, or you know, haven't been to, to Marriott or Drury Lane. Yeah, we really do have a, a mixed crowd of uh, of all generations, uh, of all ages, and uh, I I just love that that it it's it, you know people come with their families, people come with dates, people come by themselves. Uh, it's uh it it's it's a real show place, and it's it really deserves people to frequent it to feel like it's a place they can go to kind of just uh recharge their batteries and see a great show see a great piece of entertainment well i'll tell you uh where i was sitting and of course i had great seats you all you guys always take care of us on that <laughs> but the people around me were at the intermission they were saying wow i just couldn't believe how good that show was and i have i had many people send me comments and a few of them i put up you know on my review of your show and they kept saying they couldn't believe that, that such a good show would be out in Aurora. Well, that's the thing that, that I'm so proud of and, and, that, and at the same time very humbled by is that we can do this here. We can do it, and, and we're doing it, and, and the people are coming. And, you know, we've got 18,000 people saw My Fair Lady, and we've sold more than that already. That meant many tickets to uh, Joseph. Wow, very good. Yeah, so it's it's they're really excited about it. They're really enjoying it, and they're really seeing the value in it. How it affects, affects their lives, um, and that's that's what theater's for. Yeah, and and for the word will get out. If it isn't out already, it'll get out even more of the of the quality of the show. That's what I can't get over. You know, there's there's different venues that they have limited budgets, and they do cute little shows, one or two equity actors. You know couple of musicians and you know and that's fun and it's nice entertainment but you guys did i mean how would you have over 20 equity contracts and a big orchestra oh yeah you we know. had uh, uh we had 31 actors uh and most of them were uh union contracts uh, actors equity and we had a 21 piece orchestra and what we're what we're building on uh and to help develop our audience with is that we're doing all the original orchestrations of all the shows if if a show was originally orchestrated for twenty one pieces, you're going to have twenty one pieces. And you know the only theater company that the only ones that that uh, have been doing that is Light Opera Works, and, right? Yeah, and, and and you know that's in Evanston, and and they have very short runs because you know the production costs are so strong. Exactly, yeah. exactly. The the uh, uh you know Rudy's done a tremendous achievement uh, there at Light Opera Works, and uh, that they were a model. Uh, I was saying, look, this is important that this theater be filled with music, that that pit is full of musicians, that we deliver the original orchestrations. People have never heard these shows in their original form. Particularly the young people. Uh, I've been noticing that uh, in, in, in Rudy's place and your place. People were saying, I didn't realize My Fair Lady was that long. I didn't realize it was that good. Yes. Well, that was the thing about My Fair Lady is, you know, it it it. it, it it's this chestnut of a show, and it's, you know, the beloved musical, uh, you know, the perfect musical. But in, in once we got into rehearsal, we began to discover why it's such a classic, why it's considered one of the greats. And we were floored by it. We were amazed by the richness of it, the substance of its story, the lushness of its score, uh, how beautifully put together, how beautifully written it was. Uh, it it just amazed all of us, and we realized we were having the experience of our lives. Plus, your casting. 
Tell us wow. about your two leads. I mean, that was such <laughs> brilliant casting. Well, <clears throat> uh, you know, Henry Higgins is a tough role. Sure is. And uh, I felt we, uh, well, I felt I, I was going to be looking for a classically trained actor to do this role, uh, rather than a, a, a singer, per se. Uh, that uh, I wanted to look into actors with real acting chops, classically trained chops. And um, and I, you know, Harry Groner's a good friend of mine. Harry and I danced together uh, well, back in the day, and uh, he was playing the title role in The Madness of George III. He was awesome in that. Wasn't he? Yes. Well, so, you know, uh, I reach out to Harry and say, I'm coming to see you, and, we, you know, we get tickets, and I go, and um, and I notice this, this this young man in the production playing Pitt. And I'm going, God, he's got an imposing presence. And look at that profile and listen to that voice. And uh, the way he's using the language, such authority. And I started to get this hunch. I said, I think this might be my Henry Higgins. And sure enough, I call Bob Mason and I say, can you get me contact information for this Nathan Hosner guy? <laughs> <laughs> And Bob hooks us up, and we start talking on the phone. And I find out that Nathan got into theater doing musical theater. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah, he a, sang a, the heck out of, uh, out of Higgins. Didn't he? Yeah. Well, the thing is, he got started in school doing musicals, and then professionally, he just was drawn to uh, the classics and uh, studied at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art in London. Uh, became an artistic director of a, a classical company. I can't remember where it was, Tom. But uh, the guy did bring a tremendous amount of authority uh, and, and uh, just knew how to deliver the language. Uh, he was one of the best Higgins that I've seen. He's, he's I, really amazing. And I, I we've had some agree. great ones in this town. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. Well, my God, Chicago's got great actors all around. Uh, the Chicago actors can do anything. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing to me what we have here. Uh, and, uh, anyway, well, so that was the, that's the Nathan Hosner story. And, uh, we, I, I said, would you, uh, entertain the idea of, uh, looking at the score and working on the music? And then, um, I'd like to just have you sit at the piano or stand around the piano and, uh, and sing through some stuff with Sean Stengel, our music director. And we did, and we were blown away by him. Uh, Andrea uh, Prestonario uh, has been in the course of several shows of mine, and I always thought there was something special about her. I did too. Uh, and uh, I remember telling her, I said, Andrea, you're going to carry a show one of these days, and I hope I'm directing it. I said, I, I see it in you. And... Uh, you know, we were prepared to go to New York to find an Eliza Doolittle. I mean, it's an impossible role. Uh, again, it's about language and these dialects going from the Cockney to the proper British and, uh, and, and then just the vocal range, the soprano that we need. Uh, and, and, and again, it's all about acting chops. The characterization is so yeah, crucial. And especially as imposing as Nathan is, she's got to be a spunky gal and she sure did it. She held her own with yeah. him. She held her own with him. So, so we're having our auditions. Of course, we, we always 
I prioritize our additions to find local talent first. We want to cast locally Good. at all possible. I'd love to hear that. I'm sure all the actors that listen to these podcasts oh, yes. are glad they, to hear that. The local actors always get first dibs. And uh, so we're making our rounds. And, you know, I see Andrea. And like I said, she's always been the stunning presence in the show, uh, in several shows that I've done. And uh, she starts singing. Eliza's music, and I'm like, I had no idea you could sing like this. And I said, you know what? I don't think anybody has any idea. Well, I saw her in like Sideshow way back. Oh yeah, yeah, We're, way back in the in the in the day at Boho. And I said, I said that too. I said, this gal's going to be a star. Wow. <laughs> um, well, you called it. Uh, well, but you you put her in the role, so. <laughs> well, it it was like unbelievable that right here we had a girl who had the acting range, the vocal range. Uh, you know, I had worked with her on O Coward at uh, Writer's Theater. Yep. Uh, she understudied Kate Fry. And so she had the proper British dialect practice in place, uh, which we uh, enhanced and, and kept working on. And she sure held her own with, with Nathan, who is a classically trained actor, you know, gone back and forth from London to the States and all over the country doing Shakespeare. And, and uh, yeah, she was a marvel, a marvel. Well, they both were, and they both had amazing chemistry, which I, I think, you know, that there's this thing about, about doing My Fair Lady versus Pygmalion and uh, how Lerner and Lowe had to be our master in, in this project. I think you, it's very tempting to want to do Pygmalion when you do My Fair Lady, to yes. do something revisionist about it or, or edgier about it. But once you start listening to that music, you realize you have to serve the authors and, and that the, the authors of this of My Fair Lady are Lerner and Lowe. And I think that's where we really succeeded. Yeah, it, and Shaw wrote enough. There's enough bite to that show. It's got its message. Right. Yeah. There's, there's something very worldly and sophisticated about the relationship of, 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 of Henry and Eliza in Pygmalion. Uh, the critics and audiences alike were never satisfied with the ending of Pygmalion, and he, he wrote a whole epilogue defending his point that they never get together. They they don't even like each other. <laughs> yeah, I remember that reading that. Yes, but uh, in Learner and Low, it's a whole other story, uh, and it works. Yeah. yeah, we're watching two people trying to resist the force of their falling in love. Okay, and, in the interest of time, I want to cover one other thing on my fairly before we move on. Sure, Andy, as <laughs> what you did with, with Andy Lup is. Uh, and putting the trio dancing, the three of them, that, I know that's the choreographer in you, but you made, you made Alfie just another dimension. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Again, it was just a hunch. It was a notion I had about, uh, about Andy Loop playing Alfred P. Doolittle. Um, I'd done some research and I, I, I look at I look at the stereotypes. I, I look at what's usually done, and and Alfred P. P. Tootle, uh evolved into this kind of walrus of a man, a very big man, very hairy, you know, very blustering, yeah. and um, and on the page, 
I, I wasn't convinced of that. And I'm going, why is this guy always portrayed this way? So I started doing some research, and I came upon the, uh, the 1935 black and white film with Leslie Howard and Wendy Hiller. And Doolittle in that film didn't have a gray hair on his head. And he was a, a young man. I mean, how old does this man really have to be? How well, old was he when he had her? He, yeah, he could have been 18. Exactly. Yeah, so makes him in his mid-30s. I mean, yeah. this guy is a philanderer. He got around. He knew his way around women. And he, he, you know, fathered this child. But he could have been a teenager himself. So uh, the idea of him being so old and, and blustering, and I, I, I just said, well, you know what? It, it just doesn't have to be that way. And we started uh, auditions with Andy, and I'm going, and you know what? These numbers are just so big, and wouldn't it be great to have a dancer in this role? And and sure enough, we kept building on that idea and developing that concept, and it proved to be the most crowd-pleasing and revelation to the character and then, and the thing is that Andy also acted the hell out of it. Yes, he is. He's a strong, and he's a good singer. He's a yeah. great singer, and it's a voice we, again, a voice we've never heard him use before. He's usually in this higher, lighter tenor, uh, and very elegant dancer, very sophisticated dancer. And I thought, what a great thing to ask of him to take those skills and to ground it in a guy from the street, a street philosopher, and, and deepen his voice. And, and, and just get him to blast these numbers in this huge, beautiful house. Um, it, it really turned out to be a, a great, a great formula. Yeah. It added a lot to it. Cause there's a lot of movement in, in those two big showstoppers anyhow. So to add the dance to it, yeah, uh, uh, just and to have him lead it, it. Yeah. Just, yeah, lead it. And uh, it was just fantastic. By the way, I just saw Andy the other night, and he's singing the heck or dancing the heck out of White, Irving Berlin's White Christmas. <laughs> I know. I got to go see that. Yeah. I got to get up and see everybody. In okay, that. so that so now you start out, and of course, in the My Fair Lady cast, you had everybody on the A list playing every role, <laughs> Chicago actors, and that and I, we do so appreciate when you guys do that. You know, you keep our top actors working, you keep them in Chicago. Yes. Yes. Well, it's. It's not difficult to do. I mean, everyone's so, they say, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I'm going, are you kidding me? I mean, it's it's my privilege to have you here. I'm honored to have you here. So now you've set the bar high. You started selling a lot of subscriptions, cause you, uh, which was great, great idea. That that was strong marketing. What, how many did you sell so much? Somebody said 10,000. Uh, we're over 12,000, I think, 12,000. Right yeah wow and we need more everybody well sure <laughs> and folks even if you're not a subscriber the my fair lady your top ticket was 4690 or something like that right that's uh, like a saturday night less yeah. than half of a downtown show and you get much more because actually what i think hetty said it and someone else that uh, and i i don't know i hope i did i don't remember but it should take that the my fair lady and just Put it in a truck and move it downtown. <laughs> you know, it'll run for six months. Uh, if only that were possible. It's, yeah. it's. I think the costs are just yeah. so yeah, uh, I know. exorbitant. It's so hard Re to produce. Yeah, that. remounting shows is very difficult. So you set the bar high. You start selling subscriptions. Now you've got uh, Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat 
directed by one of my favorite young directors. Yes. So tell us about what we can expect for that. Well, it's looking spectacular. Uh, again, we're using full orchestrations. Uh, we have a, a surprise in store for the mega mix. Um, <clears throat> it's uh, it's got uh, the amazing design team of Kevin Depinay on sets and Jesse Klug on lights. Uh, well, they're Sean, top pros. Yeah. Sean Stengel will be uh, conducting again. Uh, I think there's a 17-piece orchestra on this one. Uh, again, it's the original orchestration. And um, I think it's the most vibrant, fresh look of Joseph you're ever going to see. Wow. Uh, it's. Uh, I know Stacy's are, are really excited about it. Yeah. Well, she's doing an amazing job with this amazingly talented young cast uh the voices the dancing the choreography the costuming we got melissa torsha doing the costumes uh, she did my fair lady she's done uh, other shows for me as well oh, yes yeah. um melissa is a, is a real star as a designer as well um and we just freshened up the look of everything uh and it's a ride the show is a ride and you just sit back, fasten your seatbelts, and you're off. Sounds fantastic. And, uh, uh, again, people need to see the full-blown show because, you know, Joseph has been done to death by, you know, high schools and community theaters, not to wrap them, but they're not professional. And some people think, though, you know, that, well, that show, but, but Joseph is a very elegant, vibrant, sophisticated show. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And, you know, and you put it on the scale of a Paramount stage and it reaches heights like you never realized it could. Uh, and, uh, and it's, you know, it's coming along. It's still very much a work in progress. Um, it opens when? Mar uh, November 4th, right? Yes, that's press night. Uh, November 2nd, uh, we have our first performances on November 2nd and then, uh, Friday night's press night. Uh, and it runs, uh, till, where, where is it? November 20th. Okay. Great. And then after that, you, what, take, you take a Christmas break, right? Uh, yeah. Well, we, yeah. Uh, a bit of a break. And then we start rehearsals, uh, for a chorus line right after Christmas. Well, you know, another great show. I didn't realize, uh, back about a year or so ago when, when Marriott did it, uh, how many young, theater people and young critics in town you know the, the kids in their 20 somethings they've never seen it yeah now yeah. you know i you know i go back and seen many great for rudy's production i think i saw you in it because i know you did the show. i've seen it so many times oh i did it at the schubert what okay. was called the schubert back in the day okay oh, and gosh. i did see it at the schubert i think it was in the late 70s yeah because I, I that was probably one of the first times i saw the show yeah but uh Nobody realizes, and this is one of the great pieces of art. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's it's a substantial piece. It addresses such amazing issues, and it has that very contemporary minimalist uh, feel to it, uh, an empty stage, an audition, and then all these stories uh, are lived out and relived uh, through these, these the lives of these dancers, uh, and it reaches this universal uh, identification, a recognition that how these lives, uh, you see yourself in these lives. Yeah, you're ch it's about chasing your dream. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. And all our childhoods and all our backgrounds and how that influences who we are and what we're made of and where
where we're headed. So you're to be complimented for that choice for the, uh, I mean, it's worth the ride from anyone in the city to go out to Aurora to see that. But for the people in the western suburbs, boy, don't miss that. That is one of the great pieces. Well, we are here for them. We yeah. are. And then the last one you're doing is hair. Right. Tell us, that's an that's an interesting choice for, for uh, I would say, a, a slightly more conservative uh, audience that you, you have out there. Yeah. Well, you know, hair is about uh, the 60s yeah. and the sexual revolution and... Uh, uh, but God, it, it addresses issues of the uh, environment, uh, and race, and sex, and drugs, and authority, and the establishment, and uh, and it's all done through the lens of, of the '60s. I mean, it really is a piece of nostalgia. But I'll tell you, Tom, it is so gripping and so riveting in its incisiveness. It's so succinct in how it looks at all these issues. Yeah, I, uh, well, I go back to, I, I was there the night to, that Mayor Daly wanted to close them down for burning the flag. Oh, my God, yeah, did I, they really? Yeah, I, I knew uh, uh, a girl that was in the cast, so I, I got to see the original Chicago production uh, at the Schubert about like eight or nine times. You know, when you know someone that cast, yeah, they sneak in. Yeah, I think that was like 1969. Yeah, 69. Uh, I auditioned for it, and I got cast in it, and I had to turn it down because I was just like a freshman in college. And they were like, hey, this is hair, man. You can go to school anytime, man. You got cast in hair. <laughs> and, I, and they just wouldn't understand. My parents would kill me if I left school. <laughs> yeah, well, we were the, that was my generation. We... We didn't, you know, we just didn't start doing our thing till a lot later. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's I think that's the message of of hair is, you know, do your thing now if it's if it's time. If you have the passion, you do it. Absolutely. All right, we're running out of time. I want to cover a couple other things. Uh tell us about your background because folks, Jim comes to uh being a director and a choreographer from a, an amazing background. Well, let's see, uh, uh, Italian Catholic blue collar family in New Jersey, uh, and then came to Chicago to attend Loyola University. Uh, That's where I went, great. Yeah, yeah. I, I started off as an English major. I had done some uh, creative writing and, uh, and then started auditing the theater classes. I started sitting in on the acting classes and the directing classes, and I decided to change my major and start getting credit for it. And, um, and then right out of school, uh, I got my first Broadway show with Harold Prince and Leonard Bernstein. Uh, I did the uh, 1973 Broadway production of Candide. Wow. And well, uh, Not a bad way to start. No. I mean, just surrounded by amazing, great uh, legends. Uh, even then, they were legends. You know, working with Harold Prince and Leonard Bernstein and... Uh, uh, getting new lines written by, new lyrics written by Stephen Sondheim every day. Here, sing this today. Uh, change that line and sing this today. And you'd get these little sheets of typewritten paper. Um, that, 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 you know, they kept, they kept revising the show as we were going along. Yeah, I know, because it's always been a troubled work, but, but what, a, what, for a young actor, my God, you, you, you're like a sponge absorbing the, all the stuff from these geniuses. I, 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 I tell you, it was a very heady time. It was, to be 24 years old in New York in a Broadway show, uh, my God, <laughs> just thinking about it, it's uh, it was an amazing time. All right, quickly because we're running out of time. Your yeah. couple other of the shows uh, that that uh, that you uh, I know you did Chorus Line. 
I did a chorus line on Broadway. I did uh, ragtime on Broadway. Uh, I played Harry Houdini in the original Broadway cast and then did Tata for two years on the road. Um, and I did the national tour of uh, Cabaret and You're in Town uh, and Bob Fosse's Dancing. I, that's all I can seem to remember right now. All so, right. B- been around. Director, your cabaret at Drury Lane uh, was one of the best I've seen of that show. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Very thrilling moment, uh, that cabaret. And again, just putting ideas together, putting concepts together, and and, the, and then it just surpasses your expectations. Well, keep up the good work with the Paramount. And folks, you got to get out to Aurora. It's a, it's a, it's a nice, easy ride out there. Uh, I, I found street parking uh, within a block or two of the uh, of the theater, so it's easy to get to, and uh, the shows are so strong. You you are to be congratulated, and it's important that we make this work to have another strong venue in in the metropolitan Chicago area. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for being such a champion for our theater and for all our theaters. Well, for all the Chicago. I theaters. love it, and it's kind of my way of giving back a little bit. I I want to help get the word out because. You know, when I go to theater, even these small shows, when I'm by myself and I say, you know, no one wanted to go, I say, it's a shame I have another ticket. Why aren't people here? i got to get the word. Yeah, you know, well, that's thank, can't thank you enough, Tom. Well, we appreciate it. And, uh, folks, make sure you get out and see a play this week.